OCNC Strategy Consultants. It's a consulting firm that any aspiring strategy consultant would do well to know. Today, we're partnering with the firm to bring you an OCNC-style case interview. To do that, we brought on Carl Evander, who's a partner in OCNC's New York office. And boy, is this a doozy. The case features a private equity firm looking to start a new chain of gyms, and they want to do that by buying up independent gyms. In the case, the client is running into a few specific problems, so make sure to keep listening to see if our candidate named Camila, who bravely did this live on LinkedIn, can crack this case. It's a fun one. Check out the links in the show notes to view the chart that's used in the case. To learn more about OCNC's culture, uh, careers, benefits, and more, and to look at the firm's careers website to see open roles and to apply now. By the way, if you're a student, check your school's application site, for example, Handshake, for specific application deadlines. Enjoy the show. Well, Camilla, as I've said, we, normally I would start with a few resume questions to, to get us warmed up, but, uh, but we've already had an introduction and, and given the, the nature of this, I thought we'd jump straight into the case, if that's okay with you. Um, so, great. So we're going to talk through a case uh, that, that is based on a, on a real life project that we did a few years ago. The client is a uh, private equity firm that is in the middle of doing a uh, a, a um, build up and a buy up of various gyms across the U.S. So these are kind of you know personal trainer gyms, um, not personal trainer gyms, just gyms uh, like an Equinox or a Planet Fitness type uh, type effort. And they're, they're they're looking to build out a chain, and they're doing that by buying up individual independent gyms uh, across the U.S. And the clients come to us uh, for a couple of core questions. The first is. Some of the gyms that they'd been buying and, and some of the gyms that they'd been working with over time had started to see some declining profitability. And so they were looking to try to understand how to improve profitability of an, of an individual gym uh, within their network. And then the second was, as they were evaluating different options, and sometimes they could look at two different gyms within a similar neighborhood or city, they were they were struggling to think about how to how to really evaluate them in an effective way as the, um, and, and sort of pick the right gyms to invest in. So that, that, that was another question we were tasked to, to help them work out. And maybe for the purposes of today, what I thought is we'd start with that first question. So, you know, a number of the gyms they bought had not been as profitable as they had hoped or had started to see declining profitability. And they were trying to think about even before you think about kind of the network of gyms, just on an individual gym, how should you think about profitability of the gym and what drives profit uh, for an individual gym location? Uh, and what kind of actions could you take to try to increase profit and, and, or, and or why might profit have been declining? Okay. Um, well, thank you for this case. Uh, it's quite interesting. The gym business i think everyone especially nowadays it's becoming more and more conscious about their health so um do think it's an interesting business let's see if we can help the client uh answer these questions i will first just you know want to make sure that i understood uh their challenge correctly then take some time to structure how to go about it and then discuss it with you to make sure that we come with the right solution for the client um, so 
just a quick recap, this is a private equity firm that has been buying different gyms in order to build a business, uh, a gym chain. Uh, however, some of those gyms, they've been saying that uh, they've been having some loss in their profitability and they want to understand how they can improve it and you know what really drives uh, their profitability. And secondly, they also want to know for the future acquisitions, what's the right valuation uh, you know, approach to make sure that they choose the right gyms because sometimes they can uh, have multiple alternatives in similar areas. Um, is that correct? That's absolutely right, yeah. So I just would like to ask some clarification questions. This profitability uh, that it has been declining, as it once they have acquired those gyms, I mean, they have implemented a strategy for them and after implementing it, it has been declining? Uh, no, it's often just as they've been, they've bought them and continue to run them. And then over time, they've seen that the profitability has been degrading a little bit. At this point, they hadn't okay, done perfect. too much sort of, they'd just been buying the gyms and running them independently before they'd started to think about a single unified brand. Perfect. And then to understand how they've been managing it, to understand a bit, you know, what the causes of this profitability loss can be, uh, have they standardized anything or, you know, they each have different uh, ways that in which they are operated? They each have different ways. So there's, there was a few different gyms that, that all declined, but they haven't done any standardization yet. Got it. And uh, do we have any, you know, metrics in terms of this profitability decline or where do they want to go? Um, we have some metrics, but I, what I might suggest is let's start with more of the generic kind of, let's walk through some of the drivers of, of profit and think about where it might be coming from. And then I can, I can take you through some numbers, but they're sort of, they're less interesting than just uh, some brainstorming. Got it. Um, and just one last question. Um, this gyms that have had any uh, profitability loss, are they in specific areas or are these across the US? Have they identified any patterns? So far, uh, not not geographically. No, there's no there's no sort of rhyme or reason necessarily with the geography of where they are. So then, if it's okay with you, I would like to take some time uh, yeah. just to structure, identify these causes. Okay. Of course. We'll be right back after this quick break. We've worked with ballet dancers, doctors, teachers, engineers, and all other forms of underdogs to help them break into management consulting. And we'd love to help you do the same through our Black Belt case prep program. In Black Belt, you receive one-on-one mentorship and prep support from a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant, eight hours in total. Your coach will develop a personalized plan for you and guide you through that plan via drill-based coaching sessions. Black Belt also includes resume and cover letter edits because case prep is only so good if you don't get the interview. In addition, Black Belt gives you a digital suite of comprehensive training materials covering everything you need to know about management consulting recruiting. Last but not least, Black Belt gives you a private group training session on the fundamentals of consulting recruiting. 80% of Black Belt's land offers, which is why it's the world's most effective consulting prep program. 
If you're ready to quit wasting time in your prep process, join today. We've seen it all. Chances are we've already helped someone in your specific situation land a consulting offer. We regularly sell out our black belt cohorts. So check out the link in the show notes to grab your seat today. Okay, got it. Um, so in order to identify what, can, what is causing this profitability loss, I see uh, two key questions that we need to answer in order yeah. uh, to understand uh, the source. The first is, are the revenue streams being affected? And the second one is, have cost has have been increasing and uh, a higher level than those revenues? So when we think about the revenue streams, we need to look into how are these different gyms, um, you know, driving that revenue. So are they having just a specific, you know, like a basic membership, for example, or are they charging on, um, sometimes you can buy just uh, maybe a one day pass, for example. So how are they uh, generating this revenue and has it been declining? Second one is a customer base. Uh, how has it evolved over time? Thirdly is, are they offering any additional services? And if so, have they been declining? Some uh, have, you know, additional like boutiques where you can get clothing or you can get some protein uh, to complement the activities that you're doing. So uh, has these uh, complementary services been declining? And lastly, you know, is competition affecting it and are customers switching to other uh, gyms around the area? And secondly, on the side of the cost, we need to look into how have costs been uh, varying. So for example, uh, fixed costs, especially, you know, uh, the locations, sometimes uh, paying for this rent, for example, if it has been increasing, depending on where it, they are located, this can be driving as well, um, higher cost. And then more on the uh, variable cost, do we have the maintenance, for example, of the different equipments, um, investment that has been done with them, um, and then overhead costs as well. Uh, you mentioned, for example, that they have uh, different trainers, so have their wages been going up? And what is the number of these employees? Are we really, uh, do we really have the right number uh, of trainers on site uh, and the management that is supporting it? So those will be the two key areas uh, that I would start looking into. And um, I would focus um, or start focusing more on the revenue side, uh, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I think that's a good place. So let's let's start. Let's let's sort of delve a bit deeper into the the, the membership base. So when you what what are some of the things to consider when you think about how to think about membership revenue for a gym and and, and what could drive revenue you know membership revenue over time. So, for the membership, um, I think you can look at two different elements. The first one is precisely how we are generating this revenue. So are these memberships, for example, on a monthly basis? Some are yearly. When you have the yearly, generally you have discounts. So which ones are the ones that people are choosing the most? Uh, because of course, uh, the monthly one, for example, could uh, provide higher uh, margins for us. 
And the second element that we need to look into is the churn of these um, customers that um, are coming to our gyms. So those will be the key things uh, to look into. Um, we're going into the membership. And then also, um, do these gyms have, um, you know, like tier memberships? So maybe you just have like a basic plan, you come here, uh, no trainer. Or you come here, but you pay for, uh, you know, consultation, I don't know, two hours uh, during the week, or uh, as you mentioned, a personal trainer every time you come here. So how are those structured as well? Those would be the things that I uh, would look into. And what, what are you, what kind of, what other kind of tiering could you do if you think about what, what's, what restricts your membership numbers? So what determines how many members you can try to go after in a gym? And how would you think about that? Um, so, um, just to make sure that I understood the question. So how many, uh, members can I have per month, right? Yeah. Uh, on the area, for example. Okay. Is it okay if I take a couple of seconds? Uh, sure. To think about that. Of course. Okay. So to evaluate like the number of members that you can have, well, first you need to try to estimate, uh, what could be your potential customer base. Um, but then you're also going to have uh, some capacity constraints. So you need to evaluate both of those aspects um, for, you know, the number of customers that uh, could be your potential base, probably look into your geographic area, also look at to uh, price ranges, for example, to see what the uh, acquisition power of these people are to see if the membership is, you know, uh, for the right uh, customers. And then in terms of capacity, you need to look as well at um, the square foot that you have, uh, you know, how many people can actually uh, access a gym at the same time. These will also be constrained by the number of machines, for example, that are available or rooms in case you have different classes uh, happening at the same time to see what will be like the max capacity of people that you can have uh, at the same time. And that same time is something that's important because people are going to be, uh, you know, traffic's going to vary throughout the day. So it's really looking for like a window of time, how many people can be there uh, at that specific time. Um, right. And, and, and what, how often are people going to go to the gym? Or well, like, what's the pattern of when people go? Exactly. Uh, and so based on that, uh, how many can you have, for example, uh, throughout a month? Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. And then, but given that, does that mean that, it, so your gym's going to be a capacity certain hours, but not other hours, right? So Yeah, correctly. Are there other things you can do with membership then to try to increase, to try to go beyond kind of peak capacity that you've seen some gyms do? Um, with this that we are seeing, for example, we could offer uh, discounts during non-peak hours to try to drive uh, more traffic at that time. Um, this will, however, have some constraints because the fact that there are peak hours is normally people work, for example, so they can only go either before they start work, during lunch or after lunch. But for those that are more flexible, you can try to bring uh, that additional uh, customer base. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Do offer an off-peak membership for students or people who can go in the middle of the day and who, who aren't constrained by kind of the peak periods. No, that makes a lot of sense. And how might you go if you'd seen, so, so in this instance, what had been happening is that membership had been declining over time. So what, what are some reasons why membership might have been declining? Is it okay if I take a couple of seconds to think about that? No, of course. So I can see um, three key uh, categories of the reasons why the number of memberships have been declining. First one is pricing. Uh, maybe we're becoming uh, too pricey for the area where we are at. Um, Secondly, is the type of services that we're offering. So as I mentioned, uh, some gyms can offer different or complementary services. You also have uh, additional classes. Right now, for example, uh, you see a lot of new technologies to work out. Uh, so you have the cycling with a lot of colors or, uh, you know, working out on uh, like bouncing um, things, you know, so maybe people are going more towards those alternatives that we're not offering, so we're lagging behind. And thirdly is uh, a rise in the competition. So they are actually offering um, either discounts to try to uh, steal our members, or they are actually, you know, with the pandemic, there was also the trend of starting working at home. So some people decided to just follow uh, home uh, routines. And so they decided not to go uh, again, to, to the gym. So those are the three major elements that I can see could be the reason for uh, the declining memberships. No, I think that's absolutely right. And, and um, how do you think about the, the offering piece? So how, what's the right trade-off there? And as you say, there's kind of trends change, people want a good experience and, and, and you know, ultimately not to spoil the game. I think that was what had been happening in these gyms is the, they had just not, they'd fallen behind in terms of upkeep of equipment and quality of experience. And so that had started to lose them customers. Um, so what kind of yeah. things can you do to try to stay ahead of that game? Um, so I think it's very important first because they're trying to build a chain. If they want some standardization, they also need to really understand what is the customer base that they want to target. Uh, because some, if they're more price sensitive, maybe they just want nice machines, you know, that work correctly. They don't need all the fancy uh, additional elements. But maybe if they're going more for a high-end customer that's really about trends, then you need to make sure uh, that you're trying to innovate and work, for example, you know, have a bit of a, a research and development, you know, have nutritionists, have uh, doctors on your team to really understand what's dri driving like health trends to make sure that you're catering for uh, those services. So I think the starting point to really decide how to go about it is really understand who your customer is going to be and like what are their needs based on that design the the right plan yeah i think that's a good example and and, and what might define so when you say decide who your customers are what might determine what your customers what your customers need or who which customers you want to target 
Yeah, so um, I think for that, the price point is going to be a key element on that. Um, And based on that, then uh, make sure you go into the right geography, um, choose the right location, and then, you know, start designing the whole gym uh, to those specifications. So, for example, you mentioned uh, students that they probably have a lower uh, price point. people that um, have um, a higher uh, power, like purchasing power, for example, and are really health conscious will have a higher willingness to pay. So based on that, uh, make sure you choose the right, um, you know, design for the gym. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Anything else you would consider when you were deciding which one of those you wanted to pick, right? So you could, you could, you know, there's a, there's a strategy that says I'm going to be the cheap gym that, that targets kind of people who don't want any thrills and they just want some iron to lug around and all the way through to, I want to be Equinox and incredibly high end and nutritionists and spa and, and all of that kind of what, what are some of the things you'd want to consider when deciding kind of which, which, you know, let's say we've, we're this private equity company, we bought, a hundred gyms across the U.S. and we're trying to decide: do we turn them into uh, which which type of brand do we want to shoot for? Got it. Um, so I think um, there are three key aspects to look into. First one is uh, precisely what will be the objective of the PE. So, for example, do they want to have high margins? Or is it more about volume, but maybe uh, they will be okay with having lower margins? Um, and then look into competition and customer. So how is the, you know, the market and what are those trends? So if competition is really pushing for uh, the low end of the gyms, maybe we want to become um, almost a niche player and go for these high-end customers. And then also look at the possible uh, customer base, because even if we want to become niche, maybe you know there's a limit to how small we want to be, because we are also going to have some fixed costs. So at the end of the day, it's really about uh, how much profit can we generate. Uh, but those will be some of the elements to look into. You know, uh, how's the market really performing, and what will be our potential uh, revenues and uh, overall profitability? Yeah. No, I think that makes a ton of sense. As you say, you've got to, if there's only 10 people who want to pay to go to your gym, that's probably a bad, a bad proposition to go for. Exactly. You have to get the right balance. Cool. Uh, let me, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't make you do a little bit of math. Um, although these days with calculators and everything. Um, but let me, let me uh, show you a couple of gyms that they were looking at. And just ask you to sort of calculate which one is which one is more profitable, and then we'll talk about some of the other ways you could have evaluate we could have evaluated those gyms to to help them pick the right gyms to to acquire. So, and this is a, I'll apologize for being relatively basic math, but um, let me see if I can get this to work technologically. So I'm not in the tech practice. Um, can you see that? Yes. Perfect. So we've got two gyms uh, and some information around them for you, um, and I'm just going to ask you to, to to tell me kind of the, the what the revenue is of each gym on a monthly basis and and what the costs and then therefore the profitability is of each one. Perfect. 
perfect. Um, so let me just look at the info. Uh, we have two gyms, gym A and gym B. And we have the number of members. So 700 for the first one and 800 for the second one. Um, the spent per member for the first one will be 80 and uh, for the first gym and for the second one will be 70 so overall um, the revenue well we have $56,000 for the first yeah. gym and um, for the second one we actually have uh, the same revenue. It yep. has a lower, um, you know, lower income per per customer, but they actually have a hundred customer more. Yep. And then when we look at the uh, monthly costs, we have costs. So we have twenty five thousand. So it's 35,250 for the first win and for the second win, 510,000. So we have $35,250 uh, of costs uh, per month for the first gym and we have 45,500 for the second gym. So yeah. what we can see is that actually gym uh, B has higher costs than gym A, and therefore they're going to have um, a lower profitability. So when we look at that, we have thousand. Uh, we have twenty thousand seven hundred and fifty. For the first gym and for the second one, our profitability. Um, and nineteen thousand um, for the second one. So um, the difference is not that large. So for the first one, uh, if we round it up almost to 21,000, the second one is $19,000. You might want to check, um, uh, is it 19,000 for the second uh, one? Uh, hold on, we have 56 and 56.5 and we have 45.5. Uh, sorry, nine thousand. Yeah. Um, so, um, we have roughly um, twelve thousand more for the second gym. Sorry, for the first gym. Um, so really, the difference is about uh, the costs. 
And when we look at it, the biggest difference is in terms of rent. So I think that's uh, something important to look at as well. Uh, we have mentioned at one point, you know, where's the location um, and how much uh, are uh, these rents that they are paying for um, impacting? Because also at the end of the day, there are also fixed costs. Yeah, but but what else? What what's a sort of big missing piece that you can't see with this data, right? So what, what if you, if I get if I could get you if you could ask me for one more number, mm -hmm. if you were thinking about well, I'm going to evaluate whether to buy these or not. What's the number that's kind of so? I would like to look at the churn as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something important because here we're just seeing it on a per monthly basis, uh, but we cannot actually see how much uh, this, you know, 700 or 800 customers are staying with us. Yeah. What else don't you know about the 700 or the 800 customers? If you think back to when we talked about what you can do with revenue, membership revenue and, and limitations. Um, yeah. So here, for example, um, we're assuming that there's only one type of um, membership or a, it was like an average, but we don't actually see, uh, you know, what's the breakdown of these customers and what actual uh, type of memberships they might be buying and interested in buying as well in case we modify those. Yeah. And what else? What might you want to do to that membership number and, and what might stop you from doing that? If you think about it's not just what the profitability is yeah. today, it's what I can get the profitability to be. Um. Yeah, so we would uh, want to look as well at what is, you know, the total uh, market share. So how many yeah. uh, new members would we actually be able to get if we make some uh, of these changes? So it will be yeah. uh, interesting to look. I think gyms are really, you know, ge geography uh, based. Of course, you cannot go to a gym in another city, you know, or take a plane. Right. So it's really going to be limited to that. So make sure that in the area we identify the potential customers. Yeah, so the, the, how, how attractive could they be if we could grow them out? What's what's the customer base look like? And and on this one also sort of what, how many more customers could I, how many more members could I add? Because if gym A is tapped out, but gym B has a lot of space left, then that, that gives you opportunity to, to get more profit over time as well. Great. Exactly. Well, that's great. Well, we are we are done. You can breathe easy. You can relax. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I thought you did a really nice job. Look, I think that this is a it's a it's a it's an interesting case study. I think because it breaks out quite a lot of different kind of concepts in terms of how uh, both kind of structuring of uh, deals and sort of building businesses over time, but also thinking about. Um, what drives profitability on, on a lot of different levels. And there's a lot of different paths it can take in the discussion, right? I always try to let the candidate um, take me down a path that is interesting and rather than sort of give me a, the specific answer I'm looking for. Um, but I thought you you structured it very nicely, you approached it in the right way um, and, and sort of hit on some of the key points very quickly. Um, and I thought you, your ideas were, were good and you sort of picked up most of my prompts when I kind of tried to steer you in one direction or the other. Um, I think that the, the thing that is the hardest on Zoom interviews is in the old days, um, not to make myself sound old, but in the pre-pandemic days at least, you, 
you could always see a, someone's notepad and that actually helped to walk someone through the structure of what you're going to talk about. And so my kind of one main advice and it's, it's tough is to sort of almost verbalize the notepad a bit more as you're talking through it, if you're not sitting across the table, because that allows sort of you to, that shows a little bit more the structure of how you're thinking about it, that, that I think was there and it was clear that it was there as you talked through it, but that wasn't necessarily, you know, it's kind of the basic of, well, I wrote down that revenue is profit, min profit is revenue minus costs, and let's talk about revenue. Okay, well, there's these types of revenue. And I, and I think you were doing that kind of logical walkthrough um, but in a world where you're not doing it on paper in front of someone, it, it, you sort of have to, it's good to be a little bit more pointed in the way that you're doing it. Um, and yeah, your math, I, I think you missed a 10,000, but that's doing mental math. You could do the mental math, I could tell. So there was, there was, it was more, and it's never easy to do that when you've got a, a thousand people watching you. So I think you did a nice job. Um, yeah, it was great. Thank you for listening to Strategy Simplified. We hope you enjoyed this OCNC case interview. As alluded to earlier, OCNC is hiring. Make sure to check out the link that's in this episode's show notes to learn more to see open roles and to get your resume in. If you're a student, see your school's application site to check out specific OCNC application deadlines. If you're looking for some expert help in your case prep process, we'd love for you to join our Black Belt program. What Black Belt gives you is eight hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching with our team of former MVB consultants, resume and cover letter edits, and a top-rated digital curriculum. The next cohort of Black Belt starts up soon and there are just a few seats left. We'd love to have you join us. Again, link in the program to look that up. All right, we'll see you on another episode of Strategy Simplified very soon.